chapter 4, leading into Acts chapter 5. Acts 4.36. Acts 4.36 and chapter 5 today. Our focus this morning is going to be the passion. The passion of the early church or the passion of the church is God's passion for that church. So look at your neighbor and say, the passion of the early church is God's passion for that church. You, you'll understand what I'm talking about in a minute. Amen. Now they had a passion about God's passion is, is the point. And we're going to see that today in Acts, Acts 4, uh, 36 and 37 through chapter 5. All right. And let's say it one more time. The early church's passion was God's passion for that church. And I believe we are the church, so we should be the same. Now, verse 36, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, some interpret his name to be Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, say Barnabas, which being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. Now, I looked up, I've got a different Bible. I looked up the word Barnabas, and it's Barnabai. And I'm preaching on Nabai before I knew that meant prophet. So the King James Version, the authorized version they call it, is he says the son of consolation. But more literally, he is known as the son of, the, of a prophet. So anyway, we're talking about Joseph or Barnabas here, which being interpreted the son of consolation or the son of a prophet, a Levite, and in the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power or in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Verse 10, chapter 5. Then fell she down straightway at his feet. And yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. 
And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, being, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Amen. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they sat them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Or literally, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses. Say, we are. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Verse 35. And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. 
For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. Verse 38, Now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and brethren, or beaten them, excuse me, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple in every house, daily in the temple and in every house, say daily in the temple, and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today, your awesome anointing. I praise you in advance, God. You're so glorious and might and power. Thank you for a manifestation of Jesus in this chapter that we look at today. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the background of this chapter is, is given to us in Acts chapter 4. And you'll remember what took place there, right? The healing of the lame man. As a result of the healing of the lame man, then the religious elders of Israel got together and commanded them not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus any longer. Throwing them into a prison cell. Amen. Hallelujah, are you with me? Or let me back up, make sure we got to the prison cell here. Hallelujah, I got to be sure here. All right, doesn't look like they were cast in the prison cell there, right? In Acts 4, do you remember? No, they, did they just threat, threaten them? I believe they just threatened them, right? All right, they threatened them and they let them go. Verse 21 of Acts 4, finding nothing how they might punish them because the people for all men glorified God for that which was done. And then what happens is they get together after being threatened and they have a prayer meeting. <clears throat> Amen. And the place that they're in is shaken by the power of God so that they are renewed. So we preached on renewal last week. Now, the Scripture tells us that the place was shaken in verse 31 of Acts 4. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, verse 32, and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and dis distribution was made unto every man according as his need. And then we have Joseph for Barnab uh, Barnabas bringing the same. 
Now he brings his offering and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And that is the background of this upcoming chapter. Now, what you need to understand here is, again, remember in Acts 2 when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost took place? We have a very similar thing that took place there. It talks about the ministry of the apostles. It also talks about that people sold land and they brought offerings and gave it, laid it at the apostles' feet, gave it to them for distribution, right? So now we see a similar thing after renewal. They've been renewed by the power of the Holy Ghost, okay? And now we see a similar thing getting a hold of people. The Spirit of God is getting a hold of them. Anytime there's a move of God, and it really has to be a move of God on the hearts of people for them to become non-selfish. Because without a move of God on the heart, by nature, we are selfish people. And by nature, we are more caught up in self-preservation than we are furthering the kingdom of God. Are you with me here? That's why my, my mentor, Brother Dice, said this. He said that if a person brings their tithe to God, then they are very nearly saved. Because a man who is not regenerated does not bring his tithe to God. Normally. Normally. Do you understand? Because, again, the nature of man is to hold on everything he's got. But there's a move of God that's taking place here. And as a result of the move of God, the move of the Spirit then people are becoming very, very generous in their giving. <laughs> and the apostles are not standing up here, and they are not compulsing the people to sell their land. They are not asking people to sell houses. They are not asking people to sell land to be brought to the church. They're not asking for this. This is something that's happening in the Spirit. These people are so swept up in the things of God. And they are so controlled by His Spirit. That on their free will. Under the Spirit's impulse. They are selling land and houses. And bringing those offerings. Those proceeds to the apostles. And laying them at their feet. It is a spiritual Move of God that's taking place in their hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. Say praise the Lord. And so Joseph, who is surnamed by the apostles Barnabas, or the son of a prophet, has got this same re renewing, re or bubbling forth of the Spirit of God in him. I mean, he's alive unto God. And so evidently he is a wealthy man. Now, if you'll study his background, I believe he's linked to some of the relationships, physical relationships of Jesus. We're not going to get into that. But I believe that he was a very wealthy man. So he sells, the Bible says, let me get this exactly right. I don't want to put words in the Word of God. It says this, that <clears throat> having land, he sold land, sold it, brought it, the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I was going to say a house. I'm glad I rechecked that. But he sold land. Now, it could have been there was a house on it. I don't know. But he sold this land, and he brought this offering, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay? And, of course, the talk begins to take place. Wow. Did you see what Joseph just did? 
You know that big piece of land he's got out there? He sold that and he brought the every bit of it. He brought it and he gave it to the church. Wow. And there just happened to be somebody. By, yeah, you're all quiet now. <laughs> there just happened to be somebody in the church there whose name was Ananias. And he also had a wife named Sapphira. And when he saw the response, he saw, number one, what Joseph did or Barnabas did. And then he saw, you know, the glory that was there. He thought in his heart, well, I want a little bit of that myself. I want some of that prestige, but I don't want to pay the price. I want the reputation of being generous, but I don't want to pay the price for that reputation of being generous. I want to be able to talk the talk, but not have the reality of what I'm saying. There's a lot of people that are like that, man. They talk a big show. They talk a big talk, but they, they're not real. And that's Ananias and Sapphira. So under pretense and under covering, they get together and they said, you know what? I said, we're going we're gonna to sell this property. But what we'll do is we'll say that we gave everything when we just gave a part of it. But you see, but everybody will think that we gave everything. And look, at, look, we'll have a reputation of being generous. Are you here? We'll have a, a reputation of prestige. Come on, are you with me here? We might even become leadership in the church. Maybe we can buy the apostles, you know. Get more power, more authority, more say in the church, you know, if we do this, right? And so they talked it over among themselves, and Sapphira agreed with her husband that that's what they would do. Now, that's foundational. Let me tell you what the Lord laid on my heart to preach this from. The, 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 the key to this chapter, all right? The key is this, that God, there are things that belong to God. You with me here? Things that belong to God are His people. How many of y'all are His people today? You belong to God. His people belongs to Him. His land belongs to Him, specifically Israel. You with me here? His prophets belong to Him. His word belongs to Him. The tithe belongs to God. We are not talking about a tithe here. We are talking about a free will offering that is under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. The tithe belongs to God. It does not belong to you. Do you understand that? Your offerings are free will. And so this chapter is not even really talking about tithes and offerings. It's talking about selling land and houses, etc. And bringing that to the house of God. You with me here? Come on, get a hold of this. The, the people of God belong to God. You are sanctified to God. His land belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. His prophets belong to Him. His word belongs to Him. They are sanctified. They are set apart. Which means He owns them. He, 
He owns me. I said, He owns me. And He owns you. And that means He owns everything I got. And so if He tells me, it's not men telling me, but if He tells me, listen, if He tells me to sell my house, if He tells me to sell my car, if He tells me to sell land and bring it to the church, then I got to obey Him. I don't have a choice. I said, I, you're not getting this. I don't have a choice. If God tells me, it belongs to Him. It's all His. Ultimately. Now, I am responsible. I am responsible to bring the tithe to God. That's sanctified. That's His. That's His whether or not I give it to Him or not. Did you hear what I said? It's His whether I give it to Him or not. It's His whether I'm poor, rich, or middle income. Doesn't matter. It belongs to God. It's His. No matter what the conditions, the circumstances, my need, my lack, my abundance, doesn't matter. It belongs to God. It's God's. It's sanctified. I said it's sanctified. Hello, somebody. That's why to take it and, and use it on other things is to rob God. Malachi 3 says that. That we rob God not just with tithes but with offerings also. Are you here today? So we're not just talking about tithes and offerings. Here. We're talking about being compulsive to sell lands, big things, houses, and bring it to the church. At the same time, the men are not saying that. Come on, do that. It's the Spirit of God that's telling them to do that. So in a sense, they should do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They are spiritually driven to do this. And they're excited about it. They're not like some people. You take up an offer and they sit there and get mad. All oh, they want, my money. You know, all that. Get an attitude about them. No, they got God. They got God. And when you get God, you can't wait to do big things for God. Now, so God, certain things belong to God. This is what the Lord told me the other morning. He said, there are some things that belong to me. They are sanctified. They are set apart. They are mine. And if you mess with them, then you mess with me. If you mess with my people, you mess with me. If you bless with my prophets, you mess with me. If you mess with my word, you mess with me. If you mess with my tithe, then you mess with, you rob me. Because it belongs to me. Hello, you with me here? That's why when Israel was in the land, they started sinning against God. The land vomited them out. Spit them out. You know why? Because it was God's land. And God's land said, oh, you're going to use it, and you're going to sin, and all this stuff. So we'll just spit you out of the land. Literally, the Bible says it vomited them out of the land because they were abusing and misusing what was God. His land is dear to him. His people is dear to him. So you don't want to mess with what belongs to God. If you do, you bring certain judgment upon your life. You bring a curse automatically on your life. 
I don't have to stand up here and curse you. It's an automatic thing. You bring it on yourself. I said, you bring it on yourself. Hello, are you with me? It's automatic because you're violating the word of the Lord. Hello. Now, here's the thing. Have you ever noticed, for example, how the enemy wants you to, be, to minimize the things of God? Go to sleep. In prayer. Oh, hello. I'm going to be plowing again. But I'm up for it, so you might as well get happy because I don't. You ever get in prayer and all of a sudden you lose interest and you lose focus in prayer? You know what has just happened? The enemy has come and is minimizing the passion. Minimizing the moment. Minimizing the move of God. Minimizing the word of God. Minimizing the worship. Minimizing the offering time. You're not getting what I'm saying, are you? You know God is there. But the enemy comes and says, well, he's really not here to the level you think he is. You getting what I'm saying? The, the purpose of the enemy is to always minimize. Minimize God. We have come here to magnify the Lord. The Bible said, oh, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us, oh, let us magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. So we are here to make him big. We are here to magnify him to each other. He's already big. He's great. And he's big. The problem is we've got to magnify the Lord together. I've got to magnify him to you so you can see how big he is. You've got to magnify him to me so I can see how big he is. And so the purpose of the enemy is always to come and uh, do just the opposite. Minimize God. Minimize his church. Minimize the power of prayer. Oh, you ever got this voice come talk to you? The enemy says, it's not doing any good. Nothing's happening in prayer. You're wasting your time. Might as well go home, go back to bed. You are wasting your time in prayer. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going to happen. That is the enemy's plan. That's his purpose is to minimize the power of prayer. Come on, somebody. You get ready to bring your tithe and your offering to God. And then the enemy will come to you and talk to you. It's really not all that important for you to do that. So then he minimizes your need to bring what God says is his anyway. And so you don't really need to do that because you got bills. Remember, you got bills. And, and if you do that, then you won't be able to pay your, your bills. Remember, so then he tries to minimize the offering that you give and minimize the importance of the, the tie that you bring and, and tell you that it really doesn't matter if you do it anyway. And by the way, you'll be better off if you don't do it. So therefore, he minimizes what God said in his word. That's what he always does. He will when this word goes forth. Like fowls of the air come and try to snatch it out of your mind. 
try to distract you, try to minimize the important, uh, importance of the word that's being preached here. Try to get you to lose uh, uh, the effect of the power of the message uh, in your heart, in your life. He's here to take it and steal it if he can. He's here to minimize what I'm preaching today. He's here to minimize this service today. And so when you stand there and you're hearing the word of God, oh, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. So, no, that's the word of God. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I've heard the word now, so now I must obey the word of God. It's not, not where I can just hear it and just don't do anything about it. That's what the enemy wants you to do is to minimize the word of God. Hear it, but don't do anything about it. Come in the presence of the powerful move of God and then minimize it. The enemy will tell you, oh, that, that tongue's interpretation. That really wasn't from God. So his purpose is to minimize the, the, what happened in that service. Come on, are you here today? God was in that house. But the enemy comes and says, well, God really wasn't there like you thought he was there. So he starts working in your mind. So the purpose of the enemy always is to minimize God and what belongs to God in your mind. Minimize the power of prayer. Minimize the power of his presence. Minimize the power of his word. Minimize the power of his prophets. Minimize the power of his of giving. Minimize, 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 minimize in your mind the things of God minimize the passion that you have for God minimize he'll tell you say well you go this far but no further so he's trying to get you to minimize your passion for God has he ever told you that yeah well you're going a little bit too far now you're getting a little fanatical now Oh, you're taking this to extremes now. So then every time that happens, you know what voice is talking to you because his whole purpose is to minimize God. Minimize the importance of the church. Minimize the importance of attending the house of God. Always, always walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour by minimizing in their minds and in their spirit God and the things of God. He's always about minimizing. But I'm here to tell you right now, oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name together. When we come in here, the enemy is trying to minimize everything that's happening here. But I'm here to tell you, we have come into this place to magnify what God's doing. Woo. Give God a hand clap of praise. There are some who acquit, completely acquit walking with God and going to church all together because the enemy has minimized in their mind the importance of a church, the importance of a pastor, the importance of a word that goes forth from the pulpit, the importance of serving God. We don't need God. We do it on our own. That's humanistic philosophy, and that's the nature of man. But the devil loves to feed on that. He loves to minimize God in your thinking and minimize your passion if he can. Don't run around the church, he'll tell you, because that's getting a little bit too radical. Just stand back here and give Jesus a little patty cake. Don't get too violent with the things of God. 
And why do those people get so excited? And why do they shout and scream? And why do they run all the time? That's the enemy talking to you, sir. That's the enemy talking to you, ma'am. Because the devil is always about minimizing God and the things of God in your heart. And so there are times when you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. Because your mind's drifting. The enemy's planting thoughts there. So when you're praying, the enemy's going to tell you, nah, might as well quit. Nah, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God because this is awesome. This is powerful. God is doing things for me. I've seen the hand of God demonstrated. I've seen a manifestation of Jesus. So the enemy is always going to come and talk to you. Said, well, that power is really not there like they say it is. Because, see, you didn't feel anything, did you? But that's the enemy trying to minimize God and the passion for God and the passion of God in your mind. Give God praise. And to me, that is the key. God gave me the key to this chapter. He said, notice uh, Joseph or Barnabas. Uh, this man has got a passion for God. Uh, he is a son of a prophet. Uh, he is called that not because his daddy was a prophet uh, only, but because he is recognized as a man that's got a life flow, a life source of God in him. He's recognized as a man that's been consumed with God and been consumed with the, with the church work. And He's got a passion for the things of God. So the enemy wasn't able to minimize in Joseph's mind the God that he served or the church that God established or the people he was a part of. He didn't get to a place where he said, well, I don't really think that uh, the church that I'm a part of, uh, that's important. You know, I can go anywhere and get what I'm getting here. He said, no. He said, I got a passion for God. I got a passion for what's happening in his church. Give God a hand clap of praise. This man was on fire. Had the Spirit of God in him. He was like a prophet uh, under the direction of the power of the Holy Ghost with a passion that you could not quench, with a fire you could not put out. Give God a hand clap of praise. I don't believe you would see Barnabas, the son of a prophet, sitting on a pew when church service was going on because he had something moving on the inside of him. And the enemy could not minimize it in his mind. I believe and I know that I'm a part of something great. I'm a part of something big. I believe that God's going to do awesome things with this church. I believe with all of my heart that we are going to see the glory of God. I believe with all of my heart. And the enemy can't minimize what God has done and what God is doing and what God is going to do in my mind. I refuse to let him do that to me. Give God a hand clap of praise. And because the church is young here, you know, really you could look at them in a sense as babies in the Lord. 
And a lot of times, it's the new converts that are like the prophets or the sons of the prophets. They're, they're, they're like the pastors because they've got a heartbeat. They understand. They can pick up real quick the heartbeat of that man of God that stands behind that pulpit. So they are, in a sense, sons of prophets. And they get a spirit like that, like that man that stands behind that pulpit. And they, I want you to know, it's the new ones that come into the house of God. They're so on fire. They're willing to sell land, sell houses, give their tithe, bring their offerings, whatever they got to do. They're willing to, if, if, their, if their husbands leave them uh, for serving God, so be it. See you later, honey. If their wives leave them because they're serving God, so be it. See you later, honey. But I'm going to serve God. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord because I'm not going to let the devil minimize God in my life. God is more important than anything. God is more important than anything. The devil will not minimize God to me. Give God a hand clap of praise. Don't fall for the trick of the enemy to minimize God and his church and what he's doing in this earth. Don't let that happen. Don't let the enemy steal your prayer life, telling you that it's not doing any good. Don't let the enemy steal your walk. Don't let the enemy steal your consecration, your holiness. Don't let the enemy steal your offering, your tithe. Don't let the enemy steal your passion. Don't minimize. Come on, somebody. His whole purpose is to get you lukewarm if he can. And the way you become lukewarm is somehow you minimized God or the things of God in your life. That's why you have become lukewarm instead of cold or hot. God said, I would that you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. The land spit people out. But he said, now I'm going to spit people out. Because somewhere, somewhere along the line, your candle's going out. You're not as brightly shining as you once were. And the reason why is not because you don't have what you need. I've given you everything you need. <laughs> what has happened is you let the enemy come and minimize God in your mind. You let, you let the enemy minimize the importance of the church in your mind. You let the enemy minimize praise in your mind. You let the enemy minimize worship in your mind. You let the enemy minimize the priest's word in your mind. You let the enemy minimize the need for church in your mind. He told you you don't need all that anyway. You can do it on your own. He's a liar. That's his purpose. And so the enemy comes along and he tries to cheapen and minimize the passion and the sacrifice of a man by the name of Barnabas. I said he tries to cheapen it. And he goes over there to the church people. He sits over there. He said, you know what? He said, I think I'll go sit by Brother Bobby right now. And I'll talk to Brother Bobby right now. You know, Brother Bobby knows somebody gave a certain amount. And so now he's going to act like he's getting. But Brother Bobby said, no, get out of here. Uh, I don't got time for you. I don't got time for you, devil, to come and talk to me. I'm not going to let you minimize God, minimize my church, minimize my pastor, minimize this house. I will not let the enemy talk to me that way. 
You got to be careful about what messengers you listen to. I don't care if they claim to be walking in the truth. If they are messengers who seek to minimize the things that belong to God, I'm talking about his church, his preachers, his things that are sanctified to him. They come to talk to you. You say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because they are a tool of the enemy to minimize God, your church, or your pastor in your mind. But when the enemy comes in, and he will come to every one of you here, and he'll talk to every one of you. And he'll say, talk to you, try to get you to minimize. And, and so what you got to do is say, get on out of here. You're going to have to go find somebody else to put that stuff on. Because I'm not going to sell out the anointing. I'm not going to minimize what's happening Somebody gets delivered, you know, gets delivered. Here comes the enemy. Ah, oh, they really didn't have that. That, that was, come on, are you here right now? And they try to minimize what God is uncovered and what God is revealing. And said, no, that's really not a spirit. They, you, know, you really need to get delivered from that. Come on, you better be careful about that because God is on the throne. Not your own mind or, or what you think about something. And so the enemy comes, and he can't get Brother Bobby, and he'll come and sit by you, Sister Jennifer, and he'll start trying to talk minimization again, minimizing God in every possibility he can, and the church that he can. Oh, that's what he's about. Are you here right now? But what you got to do is say, no, get on out of here. I'm not giving into that spirit. I'm not giving in to your lies. I'm not going to let you minimize anything that concerns God to me. God is my healer. But the enemy says he's really not your healer. God is my healer. God is my supplier. But the enemy wants to tell me he's not going to supply for you. God is my supplier. Don't let him minimize what happens in the spirit or the word that goes forth. Come on, are you here? And so he couldn't get Sister Jennifer, so he goes to Brother Mark. And he starts talking to Brother Mark. And uh, Brother Mark, look, they're not treating you right, uh, you know. And uh, don't you know who you are and uh, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, but Brother Mark gets this victory over that spirit. Says, get on out of here. I'm not going to listen to that. Because I know one thing, that Elisha fell, followed 12 loke, a yoke of oxen, which means he was back behind 12. And so Brother Mark says this, I might be behind 12, but at some, some point, at some day, I realize that I'm not just carrying this man's briefcase for nothing. Someday, right now, I might be number 13 in line, but someday I'm carrying this man's briefcase because I want what he's got and I don't want just what he's got but I want to be twice the man that he is and because I want double of you Elijah I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy I'm not going to be talking to staying here and staying there I will follow you man of God because I will not minimize you in my life 
And I know right now, you know, when you first called me, I was number 13. But I plan on being twice the man you are. So I'm not going to let anything minimize my relationship with I'm going to protect it. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to vow. Come on. So he couldn't get Brother Mark, you know. And I'm just kind of, I'm not saying that he's got a problem. I'm just giving you a little understanding here. Hello. Praise God. Give God a hand clap praise. So he couldn't get him, you know. And so we go to some other body, some other sister, some other brother in law, start talking in their ear. Uh, come on, are you with me here? And I know when the enemy's talking to you. And some of my closest, closest people that are in leadership with me will come to me and say, Pastor, uh, the Spirit's been getting a hold of me. I'm starting to get a little bitter towards you. I said, That doesn't upset me too much because I know what Spirit's talking to you. And you know what spirit's talking to you. Hello, somebody. And you know, come on, somebody. Give God a hand clap of praise. God is awesome. I said, God is awesome. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm not going to let him become minimized in this church. And so you got to keep on running off the enemy because he's going to keep talking to you. And then all of a sudden, he comes over and he sits by a couple. One's name is Ananias. The other's name is Sapphira. And they're a husband and a wife. Some of you don't like this. I, I don't know why you wouldn't like this. It's coming straight from the throne of God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So he walks over to Ananias and Sapphira. Hey, hey. Did you see when old Joseph or Barnabas, whenever he gave that offering, look at all the glory he got. Look, no, look at all the recognition he got. Whew. Man. They even wrote it in the book of Acts. And wouldn't you like a little bit of that? And I say, yeah, man, this is real. Yeah, I want some of that. And so he goes home, talks to his wife, Sapphira. And he says, here's the plan. We're going to sell the land, but we're only going to give a part. We're going to act like we gave the whole thing. Because, see, I want prestige without a price. I want a reputation without paying a price. Now, here's the thing about Sapphira. Because she let the enemy. Now, Peter said, Satan hath put in your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. Satan minimized God and the things of God in your mind. Satan did it. You don't have to value telling the truth. You can fake it till you make it. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. Satan was talking. That's what the Bible said. He went to church that morning. And he couldn't get to Brother Joseph, Barnabas. He couldn't get to Brother Peter. He, come on. So he went to Ananias Sapphira. So he just went through the rounds. Seeing who would take his bait of minimization. 
Because had they understood the power of purity in the church and the power of holiness in the church and the power of obedience in the church, they would have never known that. And if they had understood the passion of God for that church, they would have never known that. But the devil minimized the whole proceeding. You with me? That was the key right there, minimization. Now, this got, boy, see, I got some of you up here and I got some of you back there. Which is normal. <laughs> Sapphira, I told you the plan. What do you think about it? Well, her mentality is this. I don't want confrontation. I don't want disturbance. I don't want to stir up anything. So I'll go along with it. So then she listened to the enemy. Sister, if you're hurting, you can sit down. You have to stand up. Hello, are you with me here? Now listen. She was his wife. But that does not mean that she has to go along with his sin. We believe in order. But we do not tell the women to submit to the sin of the husband. Which means that the husband is wrong spiritually. Wrong about the church. Wrong about God. Wrong about the word. She is not to submit to him in that. My wife is a woman of God. Therefore, there are times, many times, her and I talk about things. You know why? Because I trust her walk with God. That if maybe I'm just a little emotional right now about some stuff. So I'll talk to her and, and she'll speak sometimes from the throne to me. And I'll say, that sounds like God there. I don't walk around like this. I'm the big man here. I don't believe that you hear from God. I don't believe you got any word to say. If you feel like I'm missing it somewhere uh, about somebody, about the church, about the things of God, tell me why. Because you need to reach for the highest in me. Your responsibility in husband and wife relationship is always to reach for the highest in that person, not to agree with the lowest of the person. So, come on, are you here? Husbands, if you are wrong and you are out of order, then she can come to you not in a rebellious spirit or wrong attitude and usurping type of thing, but she has a right to come to you and question that decision. Because if it's coming out of your lowness, out of your minimization, she needs to come to you and tell you, you need to come on, come out from your high place and not from your minimization, but from your highness. You need to operate not from your minimum place, but from your highest place. Sapphira, though, because she didn't want to, uh, you know, 
go against, you know, well, he's my husband, and I just need to obey him, and I just need to submit to him. Really, her mentality was, I just don't want to disturb the peace. There are things, friend, when you need to disturb the peace. Women, sometimes you need to disturb the peace of your husband. When he's walking from his low nature, you need to shake him up, stir him up, encourage him. Say, no, the devil's talking to you, sir. We're, no, 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 I can't go along with that. Come on, are you with me? We talk, we preach on order so much that we, we think that the husband, you know, that he, he's always going to be speaking from his high place. But there are times when the enemies talk to him and minimize God or the things of God to him. And the wife is there to always bring the highest out of that man. Not to condone or agree with that man all the time when he's coming from a place of minimization. She said, now husband, you're bigger than that. Husband, you are a man of God. Husband... I expect more from you than this. And you're standing on the word of God. And you're, you're making, you know, and having a meek and quiet spirit about it. Not an attitude. Come on. But you still have to reach for the highness. And not, I, I hate to pour you today. Hello. But you have to reach for the highest in each other. Men, you've got to reach for the highest in your wife. If you see her going astray, don't wait for the pastor to cut her head off. Give God a hand clap of praise. Why should the pastor always have to deal with those spirits? I told her husband the other day, I said... You know, you need, what you got to do now is you got to go home and you got to tell her what I told you. What did you say? I said, yeah, you need to deal with it. You have to deal with it first. And then uh, if she responds correctly to it, then I'll be here to help you. But I'm telling you, you've got to deal with it because you've got to reach for her highest. She doesn't want to be like that. She doesn't want to be that woman that's not right. She wants to walk with God. So you've got to reach for her highness. And you can't run from disturbance. And you can't run from, come on, stirring up the waters. You can't run from stirring up the conflict because it's wrong. And if you follow that man, it will lead to your death. And there's no man worth going to hell over. I said there's no man worth going to hell over. There's no woman worth going to hell over. There is no man worth going to hell over. Give God a hand clap praise. Does this help anybody? 
Sapphira, I know your name means beautiful, and you're just beautiful and all of that. And I know you don't want to stir up anything, and I don't want you no, no disturbance here, and you just want peace in the house, but you can't go along with Ananias. Because if you go along with Ananias, he's going to die. You don't know this, but he's going to die, and you're going to die. Listen to what I'm telling you, church. Just because a man makes a move doesn't mean you run off with him. Because if you run off with him, then he will die. I'm not saying physically. He'll die spiritually and take you down with him. Sometimes you've got to stand your ground and say, no, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything different. There's no way you're pulling me out of this place. Because you've got to learn to stand with God. Stand with your man when you can. But if he's not standing with God, then you have to stand with God. I don't care if he likes it or not. I don't care if he pulls out a gun and threatens you. You got to stand with God. I'm going to kill you right now. I'll go ahead. I'm going to heaven. I can't go with you on this one. No, sir. I can't. I love you. You're my husband. I'll obey you. I'll submit to you as long as you don't go above God. But I know what God has told me, and I'm not moving. I'm not going to disobey God just to have peace in my house. I'm not going to disobey God just so I can keep my marriage together. I'm going to stand with God. This is serious. You don't believe it's serious. I have two people who died in this chapter. One was a man and one was a woman who would not stand and say, come on, man, there's higher in you than this. You're letting the enemy minimize you and cheapen you and cheapen God, cheapen his church, cheapen the offering, cheapen, 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 minimize. That's powerful. I thank God for this word because it brings a balance to the husband-wife relationship. When I preach order, church, some of you have this concept that I've got my wife on a leash. You need to come and live with me for a while. I don't treat my wife like that. I, I try to satisfy my wife. There are things that she wants that I know they're not needs, they're wants. Guess what I do? I go and get them for her because they're because I want to I love her and I know she'd like to have that. I don't treat her like a dog on a leash. If she wants it, a lot of times I'll, I'll kill myself trying to provide it for her. Even I know it's not even a need that she's got. I have great respect for my wife. And I will at times, I will enforce the order that's in the house. I have to do that. Okay? Because then I reach for her highness. But I am telling you right now, I respect her ability to make a decision. I respect her ability to walk with God and to hear from God. We talk about every major purchase that we make. I said we talk about every major purchase that we make. And if she puts it back in my hands and says, husband, it's your decision. I'm okay with it if you want to do it. If it's in my hands, I make the final decision. But we make every major decision together. 
Because I know there's times when I'm not walking in my highest. And she'll come in there and say, now, now, now. She don't even have to say something sometimes. You just come in there looking at him. Mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm, 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 oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have great respect for my wife and her walk with God. Are you with me? So if I'm not walking in my highness, she'd, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I, I, I said, God. <laughs> She's right, God. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about, don't you? Give God a hand clap praise. There are times when disturbance is a necessary thing. There are times when you need to disturb the peace. Say, honey. You're not the only one in this house, by the way. You go pop your top. You know what pop your top is, right? You can go to the store and get your stuff and pop your top and drink all day. And you can go get your cigarettes and your, your snuff and all that stuff you do. Hello, somebody. And you won't let me bring anything to the house of God. There's two that live in this house. Give God some praise. And you're not being a non-submissive wife. Hello, somebody. It's going to cause a little disturbance there. But you see, he has to learn to respect where you walk. You walk with God. You serve him. Your heart is to do things for the kingdom. So you need to voice that. Is this helping anybody here today? Man, I, have, I, have just, I haven't even got started hardly. Give God a hand clap praise. <clears throat> How many of you men know you've got a woman of God by your side? How many of you know sometimes you're walking in your low place? You are walking in that place of minimization. You know that, don't you? So sometimes you need her to say, now come on. You do better than that. You can walk closer to God now. You hadn't prayed all week. You got an attitude problem. You hadn't prayed all week, man. You're, you're not where you need to be in God. I'm talking about a right spirit, but she has a right to say that. Amen. You think you're the only one that's got a right to go tell her you need to go pray? Amen. You need to wash my dishes. Amen. You need to cook my food. Preach. And she has no right to tell you, clean my yard, paint my house. Amen. You go pray tomorrow because you got an attitude problem. Amen. She has no right to say that. And if she does, you got a spirit of Jezebel. Oh, come on, stupid. You, she, what she's got is the power of the Holy Ghost rising up in her. She's got the power of God working on her. And you know it and you don't like it. You better be careful about calling the Holy Ghost the spirit of Jezebel.
Man, I feel something right now in this place. She's got a spirit of Jezebel because she's asking you to pray, get your attitude right. She's got a spirit of Jezebel because she wants to give more. She's got a spirit of Jezebel. Come on, are you with me right now? Because she's asking you to do something around the house. She's got a spirit of Jezebel because she's asking you to take care of the kids. She's got a spirit of Jezebel because she wants you to walk closer and higher up in the things of God. She's got, no, sir, you should know better than that. You got a spirit of Jezebel. She's trying to take all of that out of you. She's trying to destroy your walk with God. She's trying to destroy the church. She's trying to compromise. She's trying to. No, you know, you know when God's talking to you. But you would never tell her that when she's talking to you, you're trembling. Because the power of God's got a hold of you, man. Because you know you're not where you need to be. And you're going. You're trying real hard not to shake. Because you know she's right. Give God a hand clap of praise, church. Honey. There are just some things that belong to God. And I'm not going to let the enemy minimize any of them to me. You've got a hand clap of praise, church. Come on. Woo, God's good. And so here come these two. One at a time. Ananias walks in. Yeah, gave, sold the property. Here's the money from the property, such and such. Oh, you're bringing it all. Really? Mm, yeah, this is it. This is every bit of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? A word of wisdom comes on Peter. That's another thing a lot of people don't believe in. They don't believe that God talks to men until they come to church. <laughs> and that man stands behind the pulpit and uncovers everything that's going on in their life, all their thought processes, everything they're dealing with. It's not the man that's doing it. It's the Holy Ghost in the man, though, that's uncovered. <laughs> Why has Satan put it in your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You've let him minimize God and the things of God to you. To the point that you thought you could lie and get away with it. You thought you could play with God, play with his church, and play with his man, and thought you would get away with it. Why have you allowed Satan, come on, to put it in your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You have minimized the whole purpose of God. You've let him do it to you. Don't you know the God that we serve here? And boom, he drops dead right there in church. Now, I don't believe in all that stuff, Pastor. Now, listen to me, church. 
Peter had a word of knowledge that he lied to the Holy Ghost. God killed him. Peter didn't kill him. God killed him. So that we get excited about healings and miracles and, you know, people walking and deaf ears open, blind eyes. See? Get excited about that. We know that's a manifestation of Jesus. But are you shouting right now that somebody died in the early church because they were bringing a spirit in there that would ultimately destroy its effectiveness? The church is an awesome institution. It's God's organism. It's His body. It's not a denomination or an organization. It's an organism. It's a living body. It's His body. It's an awesome thing. I said it's awesome. Watch. Peter gets a word from God that he's lied to the Holy Ghost. Okay? That he succumbed to that spirit. Prestige without price. Reputation of being generous without the cost. Hello, somebody. And he drops dead. But Peter does not call forth death. I said, Peter, I believe, <laughs> I believe Peter, when he's standing right there. Give me my jacket, brother. When he's standing right there and he's talking to Ananias about this. And God tells him that he's lying to the Holy Ghost. You know, I, you know, oh, Ananias could have said, now, Peter, no, that's not right, Peter. That's not right. No, no, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Argue with Peter. You with me here? <laughs> anyway, and God kills him right there. I believe the church was surprised, and I believe that Peter was surprised. I believe it, it blew his mind when Ananias goes, right in front of him. Bible doesn't say, but I bet he, he might have stood back and said, whoa, Lord. This is serious. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not to be minimized. God is very passionate about his church and the purity of his church. So that he doesn't minimize it either. He goes to an extreme. God does and kills a man in the house. Now, did you hear what I said? Peter didn't call forth death on the man. God did it. That does not mean, though, that God cannot give a man a word of knowledge that somebody is going to die because they have missed it with God. They can get the word of knowledge that the person is going to die, but I don't see in the Bible where men have the authority to call forth death. In the New Testament, call forth death. I see in the Old Testament calling down fire from heaven, burning them up, you know. Are you here? My point is that God did it. And it surprised Peter when he did it. Bishop Wagner got a word of knowledge. Somebody walked in his church minimizing Bishop Wagner and his authority. Walked in Bishop Wagner's office, said, everybody else is afraid of you, but not me. Bishop Wagner kept saying, now don't, don't, you stop, stop. Don't go any further. He said, stop. Trying to stop this man. This man crossed the line. 
He looked at that man and said, you across the line. Go get your house in order. And a few days later, he was dead. God's real church. I'm not talking about this professing pseudo church. I'm talking about God's real church. In the New Testament dispensation of grace, at the start of the church, people were dying. Because they were hypocrites. Something that God will not tolerate is hypocrisy. Are you with me here? Well, they take him, they take Ananias, and they bury him. Now, here comes Sapphira three hours later. Come on, you with me? She walks up to Peter. Peter starts talking to her, says, uh, did you sell the property for such and such? Yes, Peter. The men that carried your husband out are running through the door right now. And she died. Watch this. Now watch. Listen, I got to read this to you so you can see. Listen to me. Listen. Listen to the word, not me. I don't. Verse 6, and the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of y'all are getting revelation while I'm preaching. <laughs> Number one. Don't ever go to church late. Because when you get there, your husband might be dead. <laughs> and you might be next. <laughs> Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed the spirit of agreement? See, that, I guarantee you, if Sapphira would have said, no, honey, that's not right. She probably would have saved his neck and hers. But see, what happens is, I'm going to go to a sister in the church. Uh, you know what? Well, you're a sister right now. What do you think? What do you think? I don't care. What do you think? He's trying to, trying to, he's trying to distract me. He don't want me, he don't want me anywhere near him right now. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The spirit of agreement. See, people feel confident if they get some kind of support system behind them. Come on, are you here? Ananias felt secure in what he wanted to do because he had the agreement of his wife with it. Even though it was wrong. That gave her confidence though. And that happens often in the church. Somebody, they have a disagreement or they want to do something, you know, and it goes contrary. And so what they do is go try to find somebody in the church that will agree with them. They just find somebody to agree with them. Then I'll agree with me in rebellion. You know, agree with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. They're wrong. You're right. They're wrong. You. The spirit of agreement. 
There's sometimes you don't need to walk in unity. Are you here? I said there's sometimes you don't walk in the spirit of unity. You've got to disagree with that because it's wrong. What they've done, they've minimized. They have minimized in their mind. It's no longer sacred. It's no longer serious. Ooh, they can just cross the line without even feeling any, any remorse about it. Their conscience has become seared as a hot iron. And they're looking for somebody to support them in their feelings. It caused her death. Say, no, 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 honey, you should not do this. No, no, I, I, ooh, this isn't right. And if she had done that and he would have went ahead and done it anyway, he would have died, but she would have Walked up to Peter and said, you know what, Peter, I've got to tell you right now, this has been bothering me all night. That my husband planned to lie in the church. He, he wanted the prestige, but he didn't want the price. And so he wanted the fame, but he, did, he wanted to fake it. And so I've got to come clean right now, Peter. I've got to tell you right now. I don't know where my, I don't see my husband anywhere right now. But I got to tell you right now that he's wrong. I got to tell you right now he's got a plan to lie. I've got to tell you right now that this isn't right. I got to, God's been dealing with me all night about this, Pastor. Pastor, I've got to tell you, I know it's going to disturb the house. I know it's going to cause conflict. But I, I got to tell you what's going on. Because if I don't tell you, I don't know what might happen to me. That's powerful. And you know what? She'd have kept living. And we'd have, we'd have heard of her, I believe, probably in the book of Acts. Wow. Now you think about this spirit of agreement. Now we've got a situation. Now, I love the way that Brother Dice taught a lesson on the book of Acts. And I went to it one night. And he, I love the way he put this about Ananias and Sapphira. He said they <clears throat> ate together. They lived together. They slept together. They went to church together. They died together. And they went to hell together. And it's worth going to hell over. So you better not minimize that, honey. There are a lot of people that eat together, sleep together, live together, go to church together, going to die together. And some of them going to go to hell together, sitting right in the pew. I said, sitting right in the pew. You know why? Because they minimize the things of God, the church, God. They let the devil start talking to them. And they started agreeing together. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just minimize this. We'll, this isn't important. We'll just step out of here. We'll just disappear. Can I tell you something, church? That's serious. Don't minimize. Don't minimize it. Whew, give God some praise, would you? And so Peter, now here's what I want, you, I want you to see. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Not only have you lied to God, but now you're tempting God. You are pushing God. 
Behold, the feet of him that which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. So now, Peter's not surprised at anything. God gave him a word to uncover what was going on there. The man died by the hand of God, I believe, at the surprise of Peter. But when the wife comes in and lies too and tempts the Lord... Then he gets a word from God. She's fixing to die too. And he tells her, you're going to die too. Amen. That's Bible, church. Amen. Now, why does it happen, it happen in most churches? Because there's so much mixture in the pew. And mixture in the pulpit. Purity's not there. The purity that needs to be in the man of God behind the pulpit is not there. The purity in the pew is not there. There's too much mixture in church. Every one of us would be dead. But you see, the enemy wants us to minimize these things. Think, think we can get loose-lipped on everything. Give an opinion on everything and agree, have a spirit agreement on everything. And, and we got, you got to be careful, church. I said, got to be careful. You can't agree with the wrong, can't agree with evil. God puts a very strict word on the prophets of the Old Testament if they go around and try to condone the sins of the people. Man, you can't do that. You bring God's hand to judgment on that church. Now, listen, church. This is a beautiful thing. Because these incidents here, Peter knew she was going to die. He said, basically, you're going to die too. He got that word. Don't tell me that God can't manifest himself that way. This is a manifestation of Jesus. Judgment begins at the house of God. If it first begins with us. It first begins here. This is, listen, look at your neighbor and say, this is a manifestation of Jesus. The healing of the lame man was a manifestation of Jesus. And we all shout and run over that one. But this is a manifestation of Jesus in his church. The judgment of God begins at the house of God. Don't tell me that we are to never confront anything. Don't tell me that we're supposed to go along with everything. Don't tell me that. That is a lie. I'll end up like Sapphira, and I don't want to be a Sapphira church. There's times when I've got to disturb it. I've got to, I've got to shake it up. I've got to say that's not right. The church is. This is a manifestation of his body. A manifestation of Jesus. You understand, right? If you only knew the power that God puts in his church. He is, this, we are his body. If you're the real church of Jesus, you are his body. He doesn't just put his power here, his spirit here for healing. He puts his spirit here for authority. He puts his spirit here for judgment. He puts his spirit here to say right from wrong. Hey, people come in, well, hey, who, where do they get the right to tell you what to do? Where do they get the right to, to say what's right and wrong? Where do they get that right? God gave them the authority. If it's his church. It's not just the spirit here. It's not just the healings here. It's not just salvations here. 
but authority and judgment against sin is here. God put it there. Y'all doing all right out there? The reason why these things are not happening as much as they did in the book of Acts is because the church is not what it was then. It has become a Laodicea lukewarm church that has been minimized by the world, the devil, and the flesh. Because when you have purity, then you have power. And that's why God's got to do this. Because if, if he doesn't take care of this now, brother, it's going to infiltrate the whole church. And if it infiltrates the whole church, it's going to be over. He's in the atmosphere of the Spirit of God. Ananias or the Spirit of God have to go. They cannot stay together. One has to go. God or Ananias. They cannot cohabitate in the same house. They cannot abide in the same place at the same time. Two objects, as far as I know, can't inhabit space at the same time. And so either Ananias has got to go or God's got to go. And God said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so where is the mercy of God in this? The mercy of God in this is that his whole church is going to stay alive because he deals with it. If he doesn't deal with it, the whole church is going to be contaminated and corrupted. His mercy is operating in the middle of this thing. Man, I thank God he did that. There would not be a church today if he had not done that. The spirit of the Pharisees would have moved in that house. If Ananias can get away with it, so can I. And by the way, nothing's going to happen to him anyway, so why worry about it? See, that's what I'm telling you. The enemy will minimize the, the judgment of God and the authority of God. Well, nobody happened to so, nothing happened to so-and-so, so you know what? Because nothing happened to them, I guess I can do the same thing and get away with it. You better watch out the devil minimizing, letting the devil minimize those things, those thoughts, those words in your mind. They didn't die, so I won't die. How do you know you won't? I'm talking about minimization. You hear me? How many of them ever come to you, talk to you, say, ah, they got away with it, so can you? <laughs> can I tell you? I will let you in on a little secret. God lets some people get away with things that he'll never let you get away with. There are things that God might even let you get away with that he'll never let me get away with. Because of the high call. If he's got a high call in your life, he's going to make you walk the line straight. You understand what I'm saying? So don't let ever let the enemy come to you and get in this comparison trip. They got away with it, so can I can do it now. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 
Give God a hand clap of praise. I'm telling you, that's the trick of the enemy to minimize, minimize. Talk, talk to you, talk to you, talk to you, talk you into sin and talk to you into minimizing God and the things that I'm in church. Minimize eternity, minimize hell, minimize heaven, minimize your need for today's salvation. Minimize, 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 and agree that you really don't have to do it anyway. Your wife is not worth going to hell over, nor is your husband worth going to hell over, nor are your children worth going to hell over. Nobody is worth going to hell over. So you better watch out about getting that little spirit of agreement just for the sake of peace in your situation. Because if you're not careful, you're walking as Sapphira did and don't even know it. Some point you need to be a man or a woman. God said, nope, mm, I can't do that. Mm, I'm, man, I'm, I fear God. I said, I fear God. How many of you fear God? If you fear God, the enemy will never be able to minimize the things of God to you. Because you have great reverence and respect and fear of God. The greatest compliment that has ever been given to me was this. I preached one message one time. And a young person said this about my ministry. They said, that man fears God. They didn't say, boy, he was a great preacher. They didn't say, wow, he uh, anointed. Didn't say anointed, nothing about the anointing. Didn't say nothing about the ability to preach or teach. Said, that man fears God. Do you fear God? Will you walk when nobody's watching? Walk with God because you fear God. I'm talking about a healthy reverence and respect for God. Hello? Are y'all okay out there? This occurrence, as Luke is writing to Theophilus, he records this. You know, most of us, if, if we were Luke, we'd say, now, do I want to send this letter to Theophilus, and do I want to tell him that two people just died in church today? I mean, how in the world are we going to have a church if I send out a letter, put it in the old American, that two people died in my church today? I want revival. Man, everybody's going to think, boy, let's stay away from there. Praise the Lord. Luke wrote this to Theophilus because this was not showing you the weakness of the church. It showed you the minimization of a couple of people by the enemy, by the devil in the church. But it didn't show the weakness of the church. It showed the strength of God's church. 
Can I tell you something? If we don't have a whole house full of devils, that doesn't tell you that our church is weak because we don't have a bunch of numbers. It tells you our church in some ways, it could tell you that our church is very powerful and very strong in God and very pure because it keeps the devils out there on the outside and don't let them come sit in the house. If God was really in their midst uh, and God really moved like they say he moves, they would have the biggest church in town. Not so, sir, because what is happening is that God doesn't just have a, a clinic. He doesn't just run a clinic where everybody and whoever wants to comes up and shows up. He's running a church. It's a holy place. It's a pure place. So you can't be a part of this and have sin and hypocrisy in your life. You can join the YMCA or any of those clubs you want to. This is not a club. This is Jesus' church. He is passionate about his church. And you can't come in here and say, I want to join the church. Mm -mm. God says these are the requirements to be a part you got to repent, be baptized, fill with the Holy Ghost, live a holy life. I would rather have a church like you that is in process of growing up and loves God and wants to walk holy, wants to walk pure. If they offer me a church of 5,000 people, and if they weren't like you, I'd turn it down just like that. I'd turn it down just like that. Because you know what? Because by the time I got through with the 5,000, I'd probably have about the same amount. would end up with 120. <laughs> but I guarantee you that 120, man, they, they're on fire for Jesus, love Jesus. When they walk out there in that world, those people in the world are going to say, yeah, they're for real. They're not, they're not phonies. They're not fakes. They're real. They don't live one way on Sunday and another way on Monday. They live for Jesus the same way every day. God, this tells you that God is not so much interested in quantity as he is in quality and spirituality of his body. But I'm going for quantity because I want his kingdom to grow. But at the same time, there has to be spirituality in the house. Are y'all doing okay out there? Up, this is probably one of the best, best messages. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever preached, but I'm just saying I really feel God is un, untying some knots here in your brain. Because enemies always going to come along with his opinion and his philosophy, and sometimes it's in flesh. 
And so they'll give you an opinion and a philosophy and minimize everything. And say, well, I don't think God would talk like that. I don't think God would act like that. Oh, really? Listen to me. You have no right to judge what we say until you know who we are. I'm going to say it again. You have no right to judge what we say or the accuracy of what we say without first knowing what we are. Because all you'll do is just come in there with your opinions, your attitudes, your thoughts, and all that. You have no right to judge the accuracy of what we say without first knowing what we are. Oh, I don't think God talks like that. Oh, I don't think God would do that. You have no right to judge the accuracy of what we say without first knowing what we are. We are not a club. <laughs> I'm really feeling so good. Hallelujah. Is this helping anybody? Now the Bible said in verse 7, Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Fear swept in that house. Well, I don't believe that they ought to preach fear. Da, 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 da. The Bible said the whole church got full of fear. Everybody in the church standing around say, he, they, he died, she died. Ooh. Man, let me look at my life. There's no way I'm going to minimize God now and His church now and the authority that He's put there. Oh, I better check myself out right now. This is no game. I can't play with God. I can't play with His church. I can't play with this man. I can't play with what belongs to I can't let the devil minimize it to me. Oh, I better check myself out, man. Whoa. Because I might be the next one. Fear, fill the great. Say great fear. I just here comes the enemy again. Now, don't be afraid of that. Don't don't worry about that. It happened to them, but it's not going to happen to you, you know. And oh, that was two thousand years ago. You know, time heals all things. So don't worry about it, brother. You know, everything's going to be okay. Sister, brother, sister, sister, everything. Minimization, minimization. No, the Bible said great fear. Not a minimal fear, but great fear. That church has got authority. That church has got power. Give God some praise. Hello. Honey, they not only excommunicated those folk, they carried them out to their graves. Ah, I don't believe God excommunicated anybody. <laughs> you stupid too. He not only excommunicated, I said God. God not only excommunicated, but he killed them. Right. I don't think God would excommunicate anybody. You know, he killed them, man. He did more than excommunicate them. He didn't just give him a rite of passage from one house to another house. He killed a man. He didn't give him a chance to go into another house. Yeah. 
So get rid, get rid, get rid of your fluff and your fluff and stuff. Say, great fear. Where's the mercy of God? Right there. Right there. Hallelujah. Say, great fear. Not minimal. You know, some people come to church, they get a little bit stirred up about something. Oh, boy. Yeah, man. And they start getting a little worried about things, a little fear of things. A little bit, just a little bit, but not enough. A little bit, but not enough, because the enemy's talked them out of it. Get a little bit afraid about hell, but not enough fear about hell to do something about not going there. Get a little fear about their soul and its condition, but not enough fear about it to do anything about it. But this church got great fear. Look at and say, they got greatly afraid. Greatly afraid. Not minimal, but great fear. The enemy always minimizes. I'm telling you, but when God does it, it's big. When God does it, it's great. And I don't see in this chapter, man, I can preach. I've got the Holy Ghost on me. I can preach. I don't see the apostles walking up to him saying, now, don't worry, honey. It's going to be all right. We know you're a good saint. And lying with him. They knew it was necessary for God to move that way. They had to start it out right. That's what, well, I, you know, I shouldn't even really be concerned about other houses. But I'm going to tell you, that's what concerns me about some houses. Is they don't start out with a proper foundation and hope to end that way. They start out compromising the word. Build it on humanism. Appealing to the flesh, appealing to the emotions of people, but never telling them the truth. And they think they're going to end up right when they don't start out right. Man, you, the Lord said we got to start this out right if we're going to end right. Because something's going on with my mic here. I'm, here's the thing. You take a rifle. Somebody, sniper, come here, sniper. Stand up here. <laughs> Pull your rifle out. Not at me. Now, now, brother, if you want to hit that fly back there on Brother Andy's shoulder, all right, you have got to be perfect in your aim, precise to hit a fly off his shoulder. Now, if you, right here, standing here, if you are, let's say, just a, a paper, just a paper's width off right here, you will be a foot off or so above his shoulder. Thank you, sniper. That's why God says we got to get this precise. We got to get this exact. Because if they start off wrong, they're going to miss it not by a mile. They're going to miss it by an eternity. They didn't just miss it a little. I know the enemy wanted to minimize what they were doing to their minds as something little. But when they were off by what the enemy said was little. They missed it by eternity. 
God said, we got to get this right. We got to get it right now. We can't let this thing just keep on going in a, a vicious cycle. Because ultimately, it will affect eternity's outcome. Don't listen to when the enemy comes to minimize to you things. It, you miss it by that right there, and you can miss it eternity. They told one lie and tempted the Lord, and they missed eternity. Two things caused them to miss eternity. You better not listen to the enemy when he tries to come and get you to minimize things. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? He'll come to you and say, oh, you can you quit going to church. Don't need to go to church anymore. Hallelujah. Just live for God on your own out there. Are you with me? Tell you you don't need God, don't need the church anymore. And then tell you you're saved at the same time. Don't know that there, but there's one step between you and death. Don't know, Abner. You don't know, Abner, that you stepped out of the city of refuge and the adversary, the avenger of blood, because you stepped out of the place of refuge is waiting to stab you under the rib and take you out into eternity. And then for David to have to do your funeral and say, died Abner as a fool dies. Abner didn't die as a saved man. Abner died as a fool died. Just because he got tricked by the enemy to step out of the place of sanctuary. You cannot play with God. One step. Okay. You with me here? So the enemy's purpose is to minimize everything. That's why the Bible says that when one man repents, that the angels of heaven rejoice. Now, 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 listen to me. Well, what about these people or people that need to come back to God? They do. And the awesome thing about the church is that the first right here, we have subtractions. But in the same chapter, we have additions. So that we start out with destruction and subtraction, and we end up with healing and addition. I read it to you. So that God always wants you to know that the doors of the church are open for you to be restored. But he also wants you to know that when you come in here for restoration, the church will never lower, lower, minimize its preaching to fit in your sack. It's always on God's terms and not your terms. That's what he wants you to know. That's why he starts out with destruction and subtraction. And he ends with healing and addition. Because he said, the additions come, but they're on my terms. And church, you are never, you are never to lower the message. Never. Even though, at the same time, you have your arms open wide. In a sense, it is a hospital. But on the other hand, the Bible says that we've got the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is called an advocate or a paraclete. A paraclete is one who's called alongside of you. An advocate is somebody who argues. 
So the Holy Ghost is your comforter. He's the son of consolation. He is the comforter, but he's also the arguer. Don't ever forget that. Don't always say God's the comforter. God's the saver. God's the forgiver. And never say that he's not never an arguer. He'll, he'll prick your conscience. He'll judge you. He'll. You understand, right? So verse 12, then we have it. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, there's no man join themselves to them, himself to them. But the people magnified them. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When God gave me this word about how the enemy tries to minimize things to us. These words like magnification and great, they didn't jump out at me last night when I was preparing for this. But they do this morning. They jump out at me this morning because this is the Holy Ghost. This is God talking to us today. Great here. Magnification. Awesome God. Wow. And, and of the rest, there's no man join himself with them, but the people magnified them. That's what I'm talking about. The enemy who came to me and tell me, Ah, preacher, you didn't hear from God. That's not what God wants you to see. I tell you, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. That's why when there's an anointing up here, I don't care who it is, there's an anointing up here. You better do what God tells you to do when you're told to do it. Because it's not the man telling you to do it. It's the Holy Ghost telling you to do it. Don't just stand there and look at the man like he lost his mind. If there's an anointing in this house. I want to tell you something, even if it is the man. Just say, you know what? I don't know. That could be God. So I better get up there. I better do what they're telling me to do. The enemy always minimizes, though, what's going up here. The glory that's up here. If you could stand up here sometime behind this pulpit and experience the glory and the power and the presence of God that is, that is on this platform. And sometimes it goes out there. And sometimes you'll come in here like that. And it's an, you know what I'm talking about. But the enemy is always trying to minimize it. But let us magnify the Lord together. Let us magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. When the enemy wants to minimize what's happening right now, I'm not going to let him do it. These things belong to God. They don't belong to me. They belong to God. And his passion for the church was their passion. I'm not going to let the enemy minimize my passion. The Bible said in verse 13, the rest of them, just no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. Now, what does that mean? Well, you had some people that were going to church that were just curious. Now, friend, you go to church and you're just curious about what's going on there, and you start seeing people die. I want you to know if you're just curious and just want to check it out 
Or you want to come in here and put your judgment and pass your opinion on things? You start seeing things happen like that. The curious don't hang around any longer. This is real. This is not phony. This is real. And so, you know, those that are on the, on the fringe, when we talk about the rest, does not join themselves, himself to them. That means that those that are on the fringe, those that have heard the word, they've heard the word. They know the truth. You with me? They're curious, but they're not converted. They're curious, but they don't want to pay the price. They're curious, but they minimize what it is. I said they minimize what it is. They minimize what we are. And they minimize the God we serve. Come on, church. And so because they got this minimization going on in their mind, they come in here. All of a sudden, things really start happening. Wow, this is real, man. We'll see you later. Oh, had enough of that. I went with them as far as I could. But woo, when they started dying, that's when I left. <laughs> went as far as I could. But that's, that's, that's far enough, man. That's far enough. Can I tell you something? The early church started, and after the church started, the bill started coming in. And I'm not just talking about materially. <laughs> The bills started coming in. And something had to be paid. They had to pay with courage at times. They had to pay with suffering at times. They had to pay with loss at times. They had to pay financially at times. But somebody had to pay sometime because the bills were coming in. And those that were on the fringe didn't want to pay the price. The cost was too great for them. But somebody has to pay the bills. Why'd y'all get quiet? <laughs> Listening. Listening, listening. You understand that, right? And so everybody that, that you know that likes the show, likes the play, likes the well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why church again? Woo! Don't understand that somebody had to pay. There has been suffering. There has been loss. There has been sacrifice. There has been courage. There has been disappointment. There has been all kinds of battle. All kinds of struggle. All kinds of things. Somebody had to pay. Amen. And so when you got a real move of God taking place, those that don't want to get involved in the cost of the, of the thing, on the fringe, they're not with you anyway. I said they're not with you anyway. So when God really starts moving like he did there, they're going to be gone anyway. Because it is no longer fitting in their comfort zone. It's no longer fitting in their mental religious concept. Yeah. 
well, this is the way the Pharisees do it, Sapphira. What do you think? They go stand on the street corners all the time, and they, they go up there when they give. You know, they give to be seen of men. And, hey, hey, man, they do it all the time. They don't die. They get away with it, you know, and they claim to know God. So let's do the same thing. And then, boom, but you're in a church now. You're in the church now. You're not in a religious institution now. Boom, boom. You got it now, don't you? Bills have to be paid by somebody. And those that are on the fringe, mm, no way, man. They like it when it's fun. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah, man. Praise God. Praise God. Don't talk to me about bills, man. See, it gets quiet when I talk about bills. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. I mean, and somebody's got to pay, you know, pay the price, the cost. But he didn't want to pay the price or the cost for the prestige or for the reputation. He just wanted to talk. He just wanted a place. He wanted a position. I told somebody a, a long time ago, I said, we don't give honorary positions in the church. <laughs> right, brother? We don't give honorary positions. Why, you know why most people give honorary positions? To keep people. To keep them. To keep them. Or their money. You know. Could you, could you see Peter right here? Now, Ananias, please don't lie to the Holy Ghost. I don't know what's going to happen to you, but we need your money. God said, you don't need his money. I'm going to take him out of here. Because he's a hypocrite. See, but from a perspective of, of human mind, minimize everything. Say, oh, it'll be all right. Just, just, just right here. You know, I know you were wrong, and I, I confront you with it that you were wrong. And now just all you got to do is say, I'm sorry. And everything will be okay with you because we need your money in the church. You know, we don't need you to die right now. <laughs> but see, that's the, from the human side of things. No, he, he declares, you lied. God says, you die. Y'all love Jesus, don't you? <laughs> I love him too, man. I don't want to die. I really don't want to die. But I fear God, man. I fear him. He's an awesome God. I love him. Now, as again, we see because of that, because of purity now in the church, now we've got more power. So again, this is not the weakness of the church. This is the strength of the church. So now that by the hands of the apostles, we got a manifestation of power taking place here. Many signs, wonders are wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest, there's no man join himself with them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. We lost two, but now we got some additions here. And they are multitudes, both men and women. They took Ananias' place and Sapphira's place. So that when you lose two, you gain 20. Can I tell y'all something real fast, real fast? I know I'm being lengthy today, but... You know, sister, sister here is telling me about a man that uh, was in a church. Sister uh, Carol Sanders uh, pa was under a pastor, and this man was a choir director. And he, 
<laughs> got crosswise with the pastor. And he said, you know, we always pump them up and we get them up and, and we get them all excited. And then you get behind the pulpit and you bring them down. By the way you preach, you bring them down. So this choir director was instantly removed by that pastor from his little podium. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and as a result of that, of course, you know what the next thing he's going to do is, is he's going to get mad and leave the church. And, okay, that would have been, all, uh, you know, that would have been one thing if he had done that. But what he did was, in process, he took 40 other church families out with him. Right? 40? 40, 40 families he took out of the church. Many of them, she said, never made it back to God because of that. And how long was it till retribution came? A year came. One year came. Now, I'm not playing God here, and I don't know who did this. I'm not blaming God or anything. I'm just telling you what happened, okay? That's, that's God's thing, not mine. But one year later, he was by his hot water heater playing with gasoline, and the gasoline exploded, burning his baby, two-year-old baby. They carried that child to the hospital. What did you say about its eyes? No eyes, no ears, no nose. Burnt. Now, church, now, you know, we can minimize this if you want to or whatever. And we say, well, that wasn't God and that was just a coincidence. Well, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, you better not minimize and I better not minimize God, His church, or His ministry. Because it is a serious thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. And if you are responsible for taking people out of a church to the ultimate destruction of their soul, God will hold you accountable for your mouth. Hello? This is serious. No wonder, man, these people say, oh, I don't even know if I want to be a part of that. Well, you really don't want them to be a part of it. Because they're not with you anyway. They're just faking it till they make it. They're hypocrites. You know why they didn't join them? Because they were just like Ananias and Sapphira. They had the same spirit that Ananias and Sapphira had. Man, I better get out of here. It's going to happen to me just like it happened to them. Are y'all all right? Is this, is this too heavy? Peter, this didn't happen. Peter didn't get vindictive. He wasn't operating in vengeance. Had nothing to do with Peter's vengeance or, or his emotions or feelings toward Ananias. That was nothing, nothing to do with it. It only had to do with the passion of God for his church and its purity. And that passion got a hold of that church because they greatly feared. Passion is manifest in different ways. One way it's manifest, it's manifest not through joy and praise and jumping, but passion is manifest in fearing God. His passion, the passion of God took them down, and that same passion filled their heart. We need that as a church. Fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, not the love of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Love flows out of fear. 
Fear doesn't flow out of love. Love flows out of fear. My little boy said the other day, she said, he said, I'm going to kick you. <laughs> I said, you what? He said, I'm going to kick you. He got upset because I wouldn't let him go to a party, you know. I'm going to kick you, Daddy. Hello. <laughs> I said, you what? I said, I'm going to spank your seat. And I said, now tell me you're sorry. And do you love me? <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy. <laughs> he wouldn't answer the I love you part. <laughs> You will love me. <laughs> love flows out of fear, man. You got to teach your kids to fear and to love. Praise God. Well, little Junior, he'll get better with time. No, he won't. You got to bust his butt. He don't get better with time. He's going to get worse with time. Have you ever noticed when you bust their seat, they crawl up in your lap, giving you all kinds of hugging? Daddy, I love you. Oh, Daddy, I love you. Right after you spank them, they do that. See, I told you, out of fear comes love. I guarantee you, this church got more love for God than it had before this occurrence. Yeah, man. Y'all okay out there? I, I, I promise you, I'm going to try to finish in the next five minutes. So I'm going to really have to get with it here. So we got people now being added. And again, I tell you that the coming of the people is the whole purpose of the church. But it has to be on God's terms. Not, It is not a club. It's not, it's not, I'm not a psychiatrist. This is not the loony house. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> well, we just come in here and accept you and all your insanity. Just keep on being insane. I don't care. That's that's somewhere else. That's not here. I said that's not here. This this must be a place of discipline. We are disciples. Hallelujah. Insomuch they brought forth the sick in the streets. We got all kinds of people bringing sick. We got demons and everything else in them, you know. They got, they're, they're got mind problems. They got body problems. They got spirit problems. But the church had this. The church had God-taught mind, spirit-controlled emotions. Did you hear what I said? They got God-taught mind, spirit-controlled emotions. And what is being brought to them is troubled minds, possessed mind, minds, and sick bodies that need to be healed. If you are sick in your mind, come on. You can't help somebody else that's insane. Because then all you got is two insane people. Right? (laughs) 
So we won't try to get you out of your insanity. Please don't try to drive me in, into insanity. Because <laughs> I don't need no help. <laughs> but man, they, they saw the power of that church, the authority of that church. And so they brought all these sick people. And they said, we just get them in the presence or in the shadow of Sister Bibi. Look, that's not, is that your shadow or is that hers? Step, move over here. Where's your shadow? A sniper, he's going to. She don't have no shadow. Hallelujah. <laughs> she must be glorified. <laughs> right there. How, I understand glorified people don't have shadows. <laughs> Sniper, you got a shadow? Yeah, I see his clear. Yeah, there he's big, big old dark black shadow. <laughs> black, black, real black. Blacker than anybody around here. They thought, man, we could just get them in their influence. Because in that culture, the influence, influence. We just get them in their influence. You see what I'm saying here? They had a great, great understanding now. I want to tell you right now, they went beyond the facts. They believed so great. They believed all they had to do was put them in the shadow of the man. But I want to tell you right now, the shadow of Peter did not heal any of them. But the substance of the shadow is what healed them. And the substance of the shadow is Jesus. No, no. No, we don't have no power or authority to heal you. Our shadows can't do it. But the substance of that shadow can. Jesus can do it. Man, they, they got big thinking. Hallelujah. You with me here? Y'all doing okay? Now, so now we got this all kinds of people coming up here around them from Jerusalem. They're bringing their sick people, unclean spirits around. They got, and they're, every one of them are being healed. So from destruction and subtraction to addition and healing. But never compromise... Now, as a result of all this big crowd going on, remember they'd already told them, don't preach in the name of Jesus. Okay? They've released them. Now, they go and they get these men. Of course, you know the story. They were, hallelujah, taken and then put in prison. And then an angel of God goes and lets them out, gets them out of there. And the next morning, they're standing there preaching Jesus. I have time to read it all to you, okay? Because i got five minutes to finish. And, and anyway, hallelujah. Woo, man, wouldn't it be awesome to walk with God like that? We have an example. We have a prototype. That early church is a prototype. This is the way we should be operating. See, this is big, big, big. Got to think big. Got to think big. Gotta... Not little. So anyway, the point is, now they get the Sanhedrin, the whole thing. Not just a part of it, not just a few little Sadducees sitting around, but we got to get the whole Sanhedrin. Because this is really big. 
what we're dealing with now, we thought it was, you know, just something we could squish out pretty fast, pretty easy. We thought we could overpower it pretty quick. You know, the balance of power would be shifted to us religious people, and we'd be done with these crazy fanatics. <laughs> but we see we can't do anything with them because God is with them, right. and they just keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And when people die in their church, their church gets bigger. And there's more power and more manifestation going on. So now we got to get the whole Sanhedrin involved. Which means we're going to get not only the Sadducees there, but we're going to get the Pharisees there too. Because Gamaliel was a Pharisee. Hallelujah. So they decided to throw him in jail, right? Didn't we tell you not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus? Didn't we tell you that? Well, what you need to understand, sir, is that uh, we got a charge from God. We got a call from God. We got to do it God's way. Now, you, you, you might want to try to minimize everything that's going on here in Jerusalem, but let us tell you about it. See, what the problem is, another problem of what, what happened is that the doors of prison have been opened for us. You can't stop us. And verse 20 we're told to go, say go. go. So I got to go where I'm sent. Yeah. Say go. go. So they went where they were sent, and they stayed where they were put. Amen. And they gave what they got. So you are to go where you're sent, and stay where you're put, and give what you got. Right? I love it. And if you know who sent you, then you'll stay where you put and you'll give what you got. But you got to know who sent you. So the angel said, go, say go. So they're sent. Stand, that means they're put in the temple to the people. All the words of this life, give what you got. <laughs> I just love the word, man. Cool, isn't it? Look at your neighbor and say, go where you're sent. Stay where you're put. And give what you got. Now, y'all know that's a message in and of itself. But I don't have time to preach that, okay? I've already preached that before. But I, I don't have time tonight. Today, tonight, yeah, tonight. <laughs> okay, y'all with me here? So this is what we got to do. We got to go where we're sent, stay where we're put, and give what we got. Now, so they got a passion for God and His passion. Now, the Bible says, when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, man, we went to the temple, in the prison. They weren't there. They're out there preaching. They're out there preaching. Hallelujah. Yeah, out there preaching. You can't imprison God. You can't imprison His church. Wow, this is pretty powerful. Now, they, they ask him the question. Saying, did not, in verse 28, so I'm a long ways into this chapter. Do not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You bring the blood of Jesus on a person through the name of Jesus. Now, you either become guilty of the blood or the blood is applied to you to remove guilt. 
because the blood is in the name so that when we baptize you in Jesus name we apply the blood to remove the guilt but if you don't have the name applied to your life then you become guilty of the blood so we baptize you in Jesus name it's not just to get a name called over you but to have the blood applied to your life Now watch this. Verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Really, it's really, we must obey God rather than men. We must. It's an imperative. We must obey God. That's the way they looked at the whole thing. We must obey God. The King James says ought. But really, there's a lot of things we know we ought to do that we never do. Right? You know what you ought to do, but sometimes you never do it. Right, brother? <laughs> How many can say amen to that? Oh, come on. If I walk around and say I ought to do it, then that means it probably won't ever get done. But if I say I must do it, that means I will do it no matter if it goes against my comfort, no matter what I got to do to make it happen, I must do it. Don't care if it hurts me. I don't care what I got to do. I must obey God. Even if it means death, I must obey God. Well, I know I ought to go to church. I know I ought to give. I know I ought to pray. I know I ought to... Man, I've been preaching to a lot of I ought to's a long time. It's time for us to say, I must. I have no choice. I must. It's imperative. Watch. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hang on a tree. Him hath God exalted, 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 exalted. You minimize him. You hung him up. You crucified him. You looked at him as a, I'm going to say it just like it is. They looked at him as a bastard son. They, they looked at Jesus as an illegitimate son. That's the way they saw him. They minimized him. They hung him up as cursed of God. Said he was Beelzebub. Got demons. He's demon possessed. An illegitimate son. Cursed of God. Deserves to die. That's the way they saw him. The, the enemy minimized Jesus to them. But God exalted him. God. God. And that's what we should be doing. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I've got to magnify him to you. You've got to magnify him to me. God exalted him. You minimized him. God exalted him. Now, here we go. What's this? Him hath God exalted with his right hand. 
position of power. A prince and a savior. Forgive repentance and forgiveness of sins. Right. Awesome. Watch this. Here we go. Here we go. And we are witnesses. Say we are. We are. We don't. We don't. We are not witnessing. We are witnesses. Well, I'm going to go witness today. No, 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 no. You are a witness. We are witnesses. We are martyrs. A martyr is somebody who has shed blood for the faith. We are martyrs in the sense that we recognize that his death was our death. So we preach the message of the cross. I don't have time, but they understood there are Melchizedek priesthood offering bread and wine. Do you understand that? We are witnesses. Now, because we are, you have no right. I'm going to say it again. Come on, you hear? You have no right to judge the accuracy of what we are saying until you first know who we are. We are. You saw us when we were. You knew me when I was out there and I was a welder. <laughs> you didn't know me when I was a, as a child of God. You knew me when I was a honky tonker. You knew me when I was a drug addict. You knew me when I was an alcoholic. You knew, come on somebody. You knew how I was. But we are. Amen. Do you know how I am now? I'm looking at dead people. Oh, that, but that, that, you know, you know these, the, all these people who get into psychology and, oh, yeah. Propping up the old man, modifying the old man. You can't modify the old man. You keep walking with the old man, you'll end up like Sapphira. You can't modify the old man. He must be regenerated. So you knew how we were, but now we are witnesses. I'm, have I gone past five minutes? <laughs> I don't want to lie in church. <sighs> we are witnesses. Do you hear what I am saying? I don't think you hear what I'm saying. Let me say it again. You have no right to judge the accuracy of what we say until you first know who we are. Because if you do judge the accuracy of what we say without knowing who we are, you have no concept, you have no, you have no place, no, no, no ground to start from. Where, where do you judge it from? Where is, where is your source of authority to judge the accuracy of what we say if you don't even know who we are? We are witnesses. We are martyrs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know y'all probably disagree with that statement. But that particular statement comes from G. Campbell Morgan. So if you don't like me saying it, then read G. Campbell Morgan. 
it's amazing when I put G. Campbell Morgan's name on it. I go, oh, yeah, we believe in that. <laughs> G. Campbell Morgan, well, hallelujah. Someday you might come across his name and say, oh, Pastor. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> and he is right. You have no accurate, you have no right to judge the accuracy of what we say without first knowing who we are. Because you will always minimize who we are. Always. Do you understand what I'm saying? They did it. The religious leaders did it. They minimized Jesus. Because they didn't know who he was. They judged the accuracy of what he said. Now that's not G. Campbell Morgan. That's Holy Ghost. God's good, isn't he? Now, we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. That obey him. Now, I'm almost through, so don't get mad. Nobody's died yet, and it's not, I mean, it's not even one yet. But you cannot minimize that the enemy minimize. So is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Your power and your filling of the Spirit is dependent upon your obedience to God. Do you understand? That's why there's different levels of anointings. Because it's based on your level of obedience, the degree of which God operates through you. Hello? If I'm not walking in obedience to God, I'm not anointed. Because He gives the spirit, His Spirit to those that obey Him. Say, obey Him. I must obey Him. Don't have the Holy Ghost yet. Have you obeyed Him? Obedience is better than sacrifice. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay Him. Now we got to kill Him. Mm-hmm. You with me here? Then stood there up one in the council of Pharisee named, say a Pharisee named Gamaliel. A doctor of the law had in reputation. Ooh, they don't minimize him. <laughs> I love you. I love God, man. He just. Y'all don't understand, you know. <laughs> I just go off, you know. <laughs> but, but see his reputation here? Look at this concept. Look at this key. The enemy, the enemy tries to minimize and what, then he tries to exalt in your mind. So now we've got a man who's Gamaliel and he is a respected doctor of the law. In fact, the book of Acts, the Bible says that Paul sat at his feet and was taught of Gamaliel. 
He is a great teacher of the law, the doctor of the law. Are you with me? Gamaliel is his name, right? Now, I believe, now listen, he's got great reputation. I believe that when Jesus stood before the elders, that he was among them when Jesus stood there. When they judged Jesus and minimized him, Gamaliel stood with them in that estimation of Jesus. So now here he is, and the disciples of Jesus, his body, the Lord's hands, the Lord's mouth, the Lord's eyes, the Lord's feet, the Lord's body is now standing before them once again, and the test, the same test is there. Will you minimize Jesus' body? Gamaliel, you saw him before, and you minimized him. What will you do with him now? And we know you're great as far as Religion goes, and as far as you're a theologian, and we know who you are, and you've got a great reputation. You're a big shot. You're big time. Okay? Now, watch this. Now, I be, he is somehow connected to Hillel. He, I don't know if he is related to him physically or not, but Hillel, there's two great, great, <clears throat> great rabbis of that day, Hillel and Shammai, I believe is how you say his name. Hillel and Gamaliel is somehow connected to Hillel. I mean, this guy, friend, this, I don't know how to put this. I can't really think of anybody in the earth today that I could compare this man with. This man, he has great reputation. Uh, he is on up there. He is seen as the authority or a authority. I'm talking about the scripture, right. I'm not talking about some philosophy book or psychology. I'm talking about a scholar of scripture who can be wrong. Because he minimizes. Oh God, you got to hear this. Maybe it got to him after a while. Everybody saying, he's a great man. He's a great rabbi. Doctor. Gamaliel, how are you, sir, today? Gamaliel, Dr. Gamaliel, how are you, sir, today? Oh, great scholar, great reputation. I mean, man, when you walk, you walk from a, he's walking in front of you, you walk from a distance, man. That's the great Dr. Gamaliel there. Great reputation. He's seen Jesus before, I believe. And so the scripture says that he stands up among them. Had reputation among all people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. He said, give them a little space. Now, my question is, is why does he not defend Jesus? He, listen, he knows who Jesus is. They are declaring Jesus, his death, his resurrection, that he is the prince of life. We are witnesses. That is in opposite. We are. We have the answer to the lie of. Come on, are you with me? We are witnesses. We have the answer to the lie of the false prophets. 
He is risen from the dead. We have the answer to the lie that Babylon says by, come on, her deadly wound or its deadly wound was healed. That's a lie. We have the answer to, he is the prince. We have an answer to Babylon's lie which says she is the king or over the rulers of the earth. No, Jesus is. These terms are not just, you see, we minimize terms. But when they're talking, this is saying something here. What are you going to do with it, Gamaliel? You heard what they said. Are you going to minimize it? Where do we go? Just give them a little space. A little space? Is that the way you perceive this to be a minimal thing? So that because you see it as a minimal thing, you give it a little space? Friend, I'm telling you, this is a Holy Ghost preaching, man. That is your conclusion to the whole matter, is to give it a little place, a little thought, a little space. Is that the way you look at it, Gamal? Have you minimized it so smallly that you call it a little thing? You shouldn't be just saying a little space. You should be standing up right now. You should get up from your seat, Gamaliel. You should walk over there with these apostles. You should stand with them right there and say, I now join the church. And I'm a great doctor of the law in religious circles, but it doesn't matter now if I'm not known as anything. I'm here to exalt and magnify Jesus. So I'll come off my high place into a low place. And when I come off my man-made high place into a low place, then God will exalt me. But I will not minimize who he is or what he's done or what his church is about. He should not be talking anything with the word little on it. Church, I'll tell you what, I'm about to blow apart here. <laughs> now watch, he should be defending. He said unto them, you men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up, and he talks about these various men that rose up that were false and what happened to them, okay? Now I say unto you, refrain. Now look at this. Watch this. Again, he is comparing, comparing false leaders with the God of creation, the Savior of the world, the Prince of life. False. No, 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 no. You should not be comparing this movement with minimal systems that have been squelched because they were false you should be comparing this with God brought Israel out of Egypt what you see here sirs let me tell you what I see here is you should compare this uh, with what God did through the mind of promise what you should see here uh, is what God did in creation what you should see here is the great God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob has been seen uh, in Jesus He should not be comparing and saying little space and comparing this movement with a false movement. He should be going back into the prophets, man. He said, this is Isaiah right here before your eyes. 
I'm preaching to you about revelation of the Holy Ghost, church. Do you, are you getting this? Can you sense this in the spirit? He should be defending this whole thing. He should be standing up saying, this is the fulfillment of all the prophets. This is the substance of all the shadows, types and shadows. This is what the feast talked about. It is he, Jesus, who has come. Now we must stand here together, counsel, and we must declare him throughout Jerusalem and all the world. He should not be using little space and comparing this with false movements. My point is this. Be careful that you compare the church of the living God with a cult. Well, that's the way cults operate. You better be careful because listen to me, the true church of the living God is what I've seen in Acts chapter 5. And if we were to have that kind of situation take place in the earth today, most secular-minded people, most judges, most rulers would call it a cult. You cannot compare the two. This is not Thaddeus. This is not about this other man who came along. This is not about Judas or Thaddeus. No, 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 man. He shouldn't use terms like that. He's not, sister, he's not even close to his understanding and his analogies. He has missed it. I'm talking about a doctor. I'm talking about one of the greatest minds, uh, theological minds that have ever lived up to that day. He has missed it because he has minimized it. He doesn't have a revelation of the fact that Jesus is fulfilling all the things he should have known. I said he should have known that that Old Testament was pointing to this man. There are some things that I have never seen, but that's the Holy Ghost. That's why we have the Holy Ghost, to give us revelation. I'm preaching things to you I have never seen, I have never read, because it's a Holy Ghost. And that's why we got the Holy Ghost. And see, uh, Gamaliel should have said this. Uh, you know what? I'm seeing things uh, I've never read in my law books, uh, but I have seen them in Scripture. I know this is what the Old Testament was talking about. This is the age to come. It's here. I know it's going to disturb our whole order. I know it's going to disturb our whole system. I know we're going to have to completely do it all totally different from what we're doing it right now. But this is what the prophet said would happen. I can't be like Sapphira that just died there. I can't be like Ananias that just died there minimizing what this is. powerful now he goes on Whew, praise God and now I say unto you refrain from these men and let them alone for if this counsel or if, if look at this if what do you mean if you haven't come to the conclusion yet that this is real you haven't come to the understanding you have so minimized 
what is happening here? Lame man running and leaping there. And the preaching of these men. And they're being led out of a prison cell by an angel. And you, you are minimizing the fact that two people just died in their church for lying to God. And all you can say, if? What are you talking about? How many more signs do you need? How many more messages do you need to hear preached before you stop saying, if this is God? How many more moves of God do you have to be a part of before you can say, if this is? How long are you going to keep going along? How many years are you going to keep saying, wait? How long? Ask yourself that question. If, what do you mean if, this counsel or this work, if what they're saying is of God or what they're doing is of God. Are you, Gamaliel, you are sick, man. You are sick with minimization. If you don't know by now, you will never know. And I'm here to tell you right now, according to the book of Acts, he never, never got beyond his minimization. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Poor Gamaliel. Poor Gamaliel, because his estimation was totally inaccurate. Using terms like little, and let's see if it be, you know, the counsel and the work of God. We'll just wait. His ultimate estimation of the whole thing was a minimization which brought his destruction. And that was, let's just wait it out. How long are we going to wait? He waited and he waited and he waited. Until his pupil, Paul, said, who art thou, Lord? Until his pupil, Paul, his son in ministry, if you will, got a revelation of Jesus on the road to Damascus and stood up and said, of fighting this movement, he joined it and started preaching it. And we hear the name of his pupil, Gamaliel's pupil, Paul, preaching this gospel. But I never hear about his father, Gamaliel, ever preaching this message. Poor Gamaliel. You died a miserable man because you were full of fear. And you minimized the whole thing. Here's what they tell him. You don't, you don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. We're going to beat you to try to stop you. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. <laughs> they did what? <laughs> rejoicing that they were counted. They were what? Counted. They were counted. Do you understand that that is an accounting term? That that means that they have checked it out. They've weighed it out and said, hey, you know what? Our beating is awesome. <laughs> we recognize that it is an honor to be whooped for Jesus. That's the way we look at it. It's an honor. 
They didn't minimize it and walk around their heads down. Well, we've been suffering for Jesus. I just don't know if I'm going to make it. It's just so hard to live for God. So hard to live for God these days. And boy, I just don't know. We're really, really going through it right now. <laughs> right here. Right here. Right here. That's where the problem is. Right here. They walked out of here with a great estimation of what had happened to them. Said, hey, man, you told us to stop preaching. We're not going to stop preaching. You beat us, and we're happy you did. <laughs> we got joy. Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. You don't understand what you just did. It's added to us a far more greater weight of eternal glory. That stripe you just put on my back is going to cause me to glow brighter forever. It all has to do with your estimation and your understanding of the awesome, great thing you're a part of. And that the passion of the church should be understanding the passion of God for His church. And never minimize what God is doing. We are standing on holy ground right now. You know what makes it holy? Not because I came here. Or is it? It's not holy ground because you came here. Or is it? Yeah. This building right here is not holy because of the building. What made it holy and sacred is because those who belong to God walked in it. When you walked in here, you made it great. Because God is in you. When you walked in here, you made this place great. You made it. This used to be an Arco complex. Listen to me. Arco is a world-famous oil company, a great oil company. But it has nothing in, to be compared with the glory that just walked in here today. Big shots from headquarters came here at one point in, in time in history. You would be, you wouldn't probably be surprised who came from foreign countries who walked in the corridors of this place, this building. Men, the dignity, great men of renown walked in these buildings. I, I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost. They walked in here and everybody thought, wow, we've got so-and-so. we got emperor so-and-so from certain He's here, you know, the ambassador of all from, yeah. But when you walked in here... It became greater and more glorious than it ever was in the days of Arco. I'm looking at kings. I'm looking at royalty. Never minimize who you are. It's an honor to be beat for your king. So when the enemy comes, now I've got to read that last few verses. When the enemy comes, he tries to minimize your walk with God and your consecration and all the things that belong to Him. Don't let Him do it to you. They departed the presence of the council rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Say shame, shame. for His name. 
You know, something would have you believe that shame isn't even a Bible word. They suffered shame for the name. And daily, now watch this. Just got to tell them, don't preach. And daily in the temple and, and in every house. This is the scripture for tonight's service. We're going to have a home Bible study rally. Okay? This is, the God gave me this verse for tonight. Right here when I was preaching. And daily, say daily. In the temple. Hello, temple. And in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, who have you been commanded not to preach in His name? And who have you been beaten for doing so? Been beaten for not? <laughs> been beat because I haven't been. <laughs> but not beaten for. That's the whole problem. We've been beat for not doing it. But we've never been beat for doing it. Right? Now I use the word beat. You know, every time I bring up home Bible says you feel like you've been beat. Oh, pastor. Oh. <laughs> How many of y'all been winning souls? Oh, ouch. <laughs> How many of y'all been teaching Bible studies? Ow. <laughs> How many of y'all even give a track out in the last three months? Ow. <laughs> Ow. No, I love y'all. It's not going to be a bad thing tonight. It's not going to be beating you up tonight. I just, I want to show you how and give you some tools, some tools to teach Bible studies. Because we're successful in our Sunday school department. We're successful in our bus ministry. But we're lacking in our home Bible studies. And so we're going to equip you to fight the enemy, man. I'm telling you, okay? So it's going to be a good thing. But don't, anyway, I'm going to conclude. Don't minimize. Don't let the enemy minimize. You know what I'm talking about? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, all the time. How many of y'all know this is a great thing? God is a great God. Do you know how many untold millions of people don't know what you know? And you just happen to be in church on a Sunday morning, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and, and know holiness and the Word of God. Do you know how privileged we are? We are so privileged. We should be so thankful. But I'm telling you, the enemy has minimized in your mind, your understanding, who you are and what you have to the point that your dinner after church has become more important than your dinner in church. I'm not saying to all of you. I'm saying to some of you. Some of y'all can't wait to get out of here. You have minimized the things of God. You know, let me tell you something. They got a revelation when I was preaching up here. They were having church. The man dies three hours later. She comes in. That means they've been having church for three hours. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. See, listen. There was a man who had visited our church a few times here, and he told some family members who, are, who have a church. He said, man, we went to a church. He preached for two, two and a half hours. And, and the pastor of this other church uh, wife said, that's too long. Now, can I tell you something? If you're going to talk to me, get in the Bible. Because where in the Bible does it tell me here that, two, that we have two hours to have church? Or two and a half hours to have church, and that's it. If we go beyond that in preaching, we've gone too long. Show me where that's in the Bible. 
give it to me. I don't know where God ever told me I couldn't preach for eight hours. God has never told me. He never came to me and said, now, you don't preach less. You know, you preach. You only preach uh, uh, three hours, and that's all you can preach. God has never told me that. He's never told me I couldn't preach for 24 hours. He never told me I I could not preach two days in a row without stopping. Get in the book. A lot of this stuff has come through human, human organizings. And, and, and we, we put everything around the schedule of everything else except God. So anyway, God bless y'all. I love y'all. We'll see y'all tonight. And everybody say, Home Bible Study Rally. Are y'all ready to rally? <laughs> well, we'll see y'all tonight. How many of y'all have a great big God? You understand it's a great big God and a wee little devil? And you're not going let to the, let the enemy minimize God or the things of God in your mind? Y'all with me here? Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. Good night. Yeah, good night. <laughs> I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are great. Y'all are great. And I don't want to minimize you. I don't want to take advantage of you. Y'all are great people of God. I love y'all. What are you doing, brother? Okay. Thank God bless y'all. We'll see y'all. Jesus. <clears throat> were you blessed by that? If you were, give the Lord a hand clap praise. He knows how to do it, man. I'll tell you, he knows how to do it. Praise the Lord.